How we doing, everybody? This is Bull Droppins. This is Relly AJ Torres, and we got Tex Josh McSwain, and we are bringing news, controversy, big talk. Deshaun Watson. It's been ten months. We think we actually have a trade that actually holds water. We have Deshaun going to Miami, Tua going to Washington, and Tex. What do you think about this? What not so fast to quote the great Lee Corso here. I'm just thinking there's got to be something missing because obviously the Watson to Miami part, I'm all for that. I think we might be getting a couple first round back from them, but the two to Washington part, this is where things are falling apart for me because obviously the Texans want three first round picks. And if the Dolphins are only giving up two, Washington's got to be surrendering one of them. And unless they're getting something else in return, I just don't know why they would surrender a first-round pick for Tua at this point, considering Tua looks like damaged goods at this point. So unless Miami or Houston were sending another pick back to Washington, their involvement in this scenario really doesn't make any sense to me. I'm still wondering if it would be easiest to just do a two-team trade, send Watson to the Finns, and then, you know, all the booty that gets sent back to Houston in return. You see, this is the part that's that's starting to draw me off. And yeah, we're probably excited because we're like, yay, we finally got something that sounds good. But we're just kind of like, I'm like, wait, two is not coming to Houston? Okay, and obviously you can't compare Deshaun to Tua at this point. It's just a night and day difference. But then it goes into, it's like the, okay, where's Tua going? Okay, it's going to Washington. Okay, I don't mind that. It's like, okay, Deshaun goes to Miami. Tua goes to Washington. But here's the third question and the what the hell kind of question. We understand what Miami would get up, and we understand that the give is three first-round picks plus for Deshaun Watson. So mm-hmm. even if it's just uh, Houston's just getting draft pick after draft pick, let's say Miami gives up two, and exactly what's Washington given up to make it worth themselves? I mean, two is not valuable anymore. And Miami is kicking themselves for not picking Herbert. We know that. But Tua was supposed to be a can't-miss prospect. It's okay about the injuries. This is going to go well. Obviously, you could blame it on Flores. You could blame it on the ownership and GM. You could blame it on Tua. There's a lot of blame game going around. But essentially, right now, I mean, they wanted, originally, they wanted three firsts. Uh, a second and a third, and like two defensive players. I mean, they wanted like five accolades or five assets for it, which it's just not there anymore. It's just not. But if we go off of just straight up two first-round picks for Miami, because if they send three and they give up two to go to Washington, I mean, does that make much sense? What does Washington give up then? You know, that's a really good question right there. So, 
that's the part that puzzles me. I'm not saying I don't clear, believe anybody, you said but that that's, that's odd to me. Houston gets three firsts from Houston, and then obviously Miami gives three Miami firsts gets to Deshaun. Yes. Okay, so what? So is Washington giving something to Miami then? Yeah, that's the part Phoenix. that confuses me because the way that I would think about this, right? Tua goes to Washington. Watson goes to Miami. And yes. my thought is draft picks go to all the Houston. I would think so, yes. So but my only maybe you'd have it. like a fourth round pick from the Washington football team going to Miami. I think that would make some sense. But like it is interesting that Miami becomes the hinge of the trade in this instance and you don't have anything going between Houston and Washington. That is the interesting facet of the trade. And... Correct. Now, mind you, right, no. as far as recent memory to the NFL trade deadline, this isn't like basketball and it's not like baseball because usually what happens in both sports, it's like, hey, we got a month away from the trade deadline. And even before that, it's cooking, it's percolating, it's percolating, it's percolating. We saw it mm -hmm. last year with James Harden. And that ended up being crazy. And to me, the highlight was Karis LeVert getting a physical and finding out that he had to get a procedure done. Uh, mm -hmm. I love him. I'm a Pacers fan, and God bless. But if we go by the NFL trade deadline, it's more of like, uh, I mean, outside the Green Bay Packers not trading up for a wide receiver based on a draft pick, I, I mean, I can't remember something really significant happened during a trade deadline. Usually this is done in the offseason or basically before week one and sometime after the Super Bowl. But it, right. right now, as we record this, it is October 20th. By the time all our listeners uh, are tuning into this, this is going to be October 21st. So we have about 10 days 10, 11 days to figure this out because the deadline is November 2nd. I forget the time exactly. But this is exciting. This should be good. And there's a lot of details worked out. And there is uh, other players to get into uh, outside uh, the Sean Watson. But do you think this is, uh, do you think this one's a little messy? Or, I mean, this is definitely the messiest of the bunch. And just like the other ones, and there's been a lot of trades that the Texans have made. This is another one where I say it doesn't make sense, but in this part, it's just more of <laughs> what the Texans get back. I mean, if you do like a pick swap, right, it's usually like, hey, uh, the high amount of picks that would be swapped in here, it's like, what do you what do you do? It's like, hey, you give us a first, and we'll give you a third round pick. That's something that's the to that effect. That, Although I've wondered yeah, on the scenario you were talking about, maybe Tua goes to Washington. Washington sends a fourth round pick to Houston, get their three firsts from the Dolphins, and you send Watson to Miami. Obviously, Texans are getting their three first, which they've always desired, and then you're getting one mid-round pick. And obviously, that would probably be disappointing for Casario and crew, but at a certain point, it's just like, you just got to take what you can get. And I would be like, it would be disappointing, but, you know, 
let's just get past this and get it done. Now, I'm just wondering what's going through to go in there is Xavier Howard, the Dolphins' cornerback that is highly coveted. People talked about him going to Tennessee, maybe going to the Packers. So, a lot of people going Howard to the Packers off the wire. We'll get to that. that. Could attract some attention. Now, would I take Howard over a mid-round pick? Obviously. Yes. So, hmm. Now that I've thrown this variable into it, what if Howard comes to Houston and we send a, th- a third to Miami? I don't know. Something like that, in addition yes. to what's already going out. Gotcha. So, we get three first, a fourth, and Howard. Miami gets our third, and Watson. Washington gets Tua, and they give a fourth to us. Capricated, and as I thought before, Casario's going to have to settle at some point. Yeah, it's probably true. But now we have people saying that, well, CBS Sports is my specific report, said that the teams want to get this done before the deadline. And I'm just thinking, finally, after same old song and dance over and over. Agreed. But yeah, I'm just like, come on, let's get this official, folks. Keep her moving, right? Yeah, exactly. And I also just looked at the schedule. The Texans go to Miami on November 7th. Uh, so... Okay. That's the week after the trade deadline would have passed. uh, So it very well may happen if the deal goes down that Watson's first start as a Dolphin is against us. And I'm just like, oh, could you imagine the revenge he would be looking for at that point? Uh, Could you? Oh, my goodness. Well, guess where I'm going to be? Where are you going to be? In Spain, minus the S. Should have known that one. Pain. Oh, no doubt about that one. Uh, Not only that, but you want to know what's actually really getting to me? You know how some people say the rich get richer? Yeah. The Cowboys cut somebody that Dan Quinn just didn't like, and he's joining the Packers while... The rest of his salary is getting paid. And sure enough, we have another guy from Texas, except he's actually from the Houston part of Texas, going to Green Bay because the Houston Texans cut him. Now, they actually gave a damn and gave him a good speech about, you know, what was. And I will give Cal credit, even though I think he's an absolute loony. Make a long story short, we know this, but Merciless was cut because they want younger players on the field. But also, this is another rant of mine, and this is another part that's frustrating to me, because if Merciless is being cut, and I'm not saying, oh, get trade for a sixth or seventh round pick. You already did that with Green Bay. We don't know what the value is. I get it. But the, the problem being is that why did you trade for Shaq? 
And I'm not sure if there was a pick swap or anything else in there. But it's like, why'd you trade for Shaq if you're just going to trade him away for the hell of it? Why didn't you cut Merciless or try to work something out during the offseason if this was going to be your plan? Like, did you switch plans because you actually thought this was going to work? What's the deal? It's like, okay, you won a game. You already exceed expectations because some people thought you were going to go winless. But after that, it's like, okay, Tyrod's hurt. You're talking about young players, right? But yet Mm -hmm. Tyrod gets the nod once his hamstring's better. If you want to go young, why don't you cut Jeff Driscoll and take off Jacob Eason that's on waivers right now from the Colts? Younger competition and guys that still have plenty to offer. Juice in the tank. The desire is there. You know what I mean? Just some moves like that. When you say we want to get younger, and this is going into week six uh, passing, going into week seven, I feel like some of these moves should have been made a long time ago. Like, what made you go this direction? I'm confused and I'm annoyed. Yeah. Seems like they're just making it up as they go along right now. Agreed. And actually, as much as I was concerned that Merciless wouldn't make the team going into his 10th year with this team, he actually had a fairly good start this season in six games. He had three sacks, so he would have been on pace for eight sacks, which would be his highest mark since the 2015 season when he had 12. Hmm. He had seven and a half in 2019, went down to four last season in 13 games. Obviously, three this year. His tackle numbers, well, they were up from what they were on. Well, on pace this year, he would have exceeded his 2020 total. and But probably not back to his 2019 numbers again. But yeah, just his dip in form in 2020 was why I thought just at his age, he wasn't going to make it. And... Again, goes back to your question of if you want to have youth on this team, why did you keep Merciless to begin with? Eh, it's just nutty. It's just, I understand if you make a direction. I understand if you want to get to a direction, but that's just one of those things where it felt like week one, they just wanted to compete and David Coley pulled it off and they're just like, what are we going to get next? And what did we get? We got, oh, well, change of plans. Change of plans after week one? After week, I mean, after week two, after Tyrod gets hurt, I get it. But it just seems screwy ever since. Yeah, I mean, we looked pretty good before Tyrod went down in week two up in Cleveland. And yeah, just since then, this team has been an absolute discordant mess. Yes. Well, aside from the Patriots game. Uh, the uh, Patriot game oh and the Jag game are the games they played good. Uh, the Brown game, they played good until Tyrod was hurt. Uh, but it's like if we go to the last one, uh, we'll get there in a moment. But uh, the Colts game, it's amazing what they put up just in garbage time alone. Oh, yeah. So... I think we can go ahead and move on to 
week six recap because I think we've uh, covered the personnel. Well, well, actually, just uh, one thing with the trade deadline coming up and that has been talked about. Uh, before we go into week six, my apologies. With uh, them saying we're getting younger, there is still talks about Tunsil and Cooks. Now, Cooks, we could say, is a no-brainer, the best wide receiver on this team. And Of course. I mean, you know, last game, even in garbage time, with or without it, nine catches from 13 targets, 89 yards. And that's twice as what Nico Collins got. Healthy, promising, hope I see more. Uh, Andre Roberts is apparently being uh, waived as well, which I kind of find odd. I mean, I, I get it, but you sign these veterans on one-year deals for a reason, then you go, okay, uh, we want to get younger. Okay, whatever, doesn't make sense. But does Tunzel have the value you think he does? Because I think you got to keep him for the rest of the contract. Cooks, I'm hearing that they're going to try and see if they can move him, and I'm hearing a third-round draft pick. So would you keep Cooks, or do you have to have something more significant? Like if Cooks gets traded and for a second rounder, are you complaining? No. Second rounder, I'm okay with. If it's something like a fourth rounder, go scratch. Yeah, that's not at all adequate for a guy who's having a pretty good year. And I'm just not sure if you put him on a contending team, is he a true number one or is he a really good number two? That's kind of my question right now, and that will definitely affect what a team would want to give up for him. Uh, yes, if you want my answer, uh, I don't think he was a number one until he came to the Texans, but he did Probably a not. decent job at doing so. So yeah. I will say if you put him at number three, I think he's probably one of the best number threes in the NFL. As a number two, he's a damn good wingman. So, but what team would want that? Yeah, that's kind of the actually, question. Actually, you know, with the wide receiver troubles and consistency, it wouldn't surprise me if you went to Washington part of the Sean deal. Hmm. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that and just till now. That's interesting. Like, instead, instead of a pick swap, right? It's like, okay, for the compensation of Tua and Cooks, We'll give you a first. And they hmm. could re-sign Cooks straight there for another one or two-year deal if he likes it. But who knows? Well, again, that's a risk. But if you are in playoff contention, you don't know that. It, it's just a thought because I believe this is his walk year. Yeah. He would be the number two there to Terry McLaurin. And Washington has started two and four. I just don't know that they would be all over that deal. I'm just saying, second best team in that division. Yeah, that's not saying much. It's not saying much, but think about it. You got the Cowboys and then everybody else by a long shot. And the team that had high expectations, if you look at the Giants schedule, write them off, they're turned into a poverty franchise. The Eagles are rebuilding and we know it. And then there's Washington trying to get their crap together. Pretty much. But moving on 
I cleared my case. We go into week six, and my main concern was, is this team going to stop Jonathan Taylor? And the answer was no. I actually thought he was going to get more carries, but he averaged over 10 yards a carry on 14, let's see, 14 attempts, 145 yards, two touchdowns. But again, at least one score and a huge chunk of those yards came well over uh, competitive distance. Carson Wentz, he only completed 55% of his throws, 11 for 20, but got over 200 yards and two touchdowns. The pressure wasn't on him. The secondary could have played better. This was a mess. What we thought could have been a competitive game. I thought this could have been a... I was thinking a 21-13, maybe 21-17 type game, but no, they did not put anything on the board. They let every single receiver who is, or every single eligible guy on that roster, where if you heard his name or not, have a chance. And if you look at the Texans' offense, yeah, David Mills threw more yards than Carson Wentz, but two picks. Rushing game was okay with Ingram. Got to give him credit for that. Cooks had the yards. There's wide receivers, tight ends. They're getting their looks, but just was not enough. The defense laid an absolute egg, and there was just problems galore. This was a painful game to watch. The only one that won is that if you had Jonathan on your fantasy team like myself. That's all very true. This is about as humiliating as the performance we put up in Buffalo a few weeks ago. Oh, the pain. Oh, pain. Exactly. So, you talk about the running game. Sure, Ingram... Looked better than he had with 73 rushing yards, but this team still averages less than 90 yards on the ground per game. They're 29th in the league in what we thought was going to be a rushing-centric offense. Of course, the fact that the team is usually behind pretty quickly does not help with that. But even so, like you've talked about without Tunzel, it's so much harder just to get the run game established and... If you're depending on Mills to just bail you out and keep you in the game, like, he's just not there yet. It should be obvious to anyone right now that he's just not there yet. And but that's okay, because I yeah, think... Yeah, I mean, it's fine overall, but it's going to make for a long year this year. Absolutely. And I, I feel bad for the guy, but I do see promise. The right. fact that he's not dependent on one target, the fact that he's spreading the ball... I mean, do I think that the interceptions are a problem? Yeah, but it's just a rough break-in period. Right. Because if you think about it, right, look at the yardage, look at the completion rating, and if he doesn't throw those two picks, it's at least competitive. Right. If David Johnson doesn't fumble the ball, it's more competitive. The statistics are there. The score isn't. 
and that's the unfortunate part. Yep. That's for sure. So now we're going into week seven, and I am not exactly expecting there to be any less dosage of pain this week as we head out no. to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals, the lone undefeated team left in the NFL. They've got Kyler Murray, who's absolutely lighting it up right now. You talked earlier this week to me about him being potentially an MVP form, and I think it was Bill Barnwell of ESPN who does a quarterback ranking every week, and he finally put Murray at the top of the list. And it seems justified, I must say. He's doing really well, and obviously the two guys that we're most concerned with were guys that we rooted for for years, DeAndre Hopkins, who I think has had this game circled for a long time. He's saying, I want to go out and humiliate those guys. I think this is a personal vendetta for him even with Bob not on the sideline anymore. With J.J. Watt, I don't think it's quite as personal for him. He just wants to wreck you, you know? Not playing well, for him, so he'll just go out and wreck us like he does everybody else, but I wouldn't be surprised if Nuke had over 200 yards in this game. He will want to make a statement against the team that traded him away for a bag of Doritos and a ham sandwich. <laughs> Very unfortunate. So if we look at this based off of NFL.com, 7th in overall offense, 13th in overall defense, 7th in passing, 6th in rushing. And in comparison to Houston, 27th offensively, 26th defensively, 28th in passing, 25th in rushing. If you look at this, if you are a fantasy owner of any single offensive player on the Cardinals. It may be picky, but you got every single solid guy there that has a chance. If you yeah. got Kyler Murray on your fantasy team, start him and don't have anyone else change your mind. I think this is going to be another blow game. I'm not sure if it's going to be as bad as Buffalo because over in Buffalo it was raining and the Bills fans and the players were loving it. But guess what? This is going to be another bad one. This is going to be just despicable. I mean, there's just no shot. I'm, I've got to see J.J. Watt with his finger behind his helmet. Tick-tock, tick-tock. No, 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 no. Hop is going to say, go shove it. The running backs are going to have them all game. This is going to be bad. This is going to... Of all the all the games that are going to be in Coach Cully's mind that are going to keep him up at night, the Buffalo game and this Cardinal game is going to play over and over and over. And he's going to talk to his doctor about a sleeping pill because it's going to keep him up at night. This game is going to be a disaster. You can't change my mind on that one. This is, this is going to be a big blowout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think this will be pretty. I mean, the line is set at 17 points. Realistically, I think that's too low. I see I'm 17 and a half, but this right here, I mean, it's, it is very high. 
But considering what we see, like I see 13 for Buccaneers and the Bears. This is the biggest part of the week. And there's some pretty big ones. There's a 15. Yeah, this right here is just plain ugly. It, yeah. it pains us talking about it because usually it's supposed to be like, hey, this is going to be good, or I'm concerned, but can we do this? Can we at least make this competitive? There's no optimism this week. Again, can't say again because last week there was optimism. This week, absolutely put optimism straight up in the gutter. Yeah, I'm saying this game ends 45 to 7. I say that's I say that's accurate. Okay. If we go, if we want to go realistically, I mean they could probably this is gonna be another game where they're, they're gonna be pulling their starters. Probably. For, fourth quarter, if you're Kyler, you're out. Hop, you're out. Take a take a rest. Your running backs, if one of them is feeling a little sluggish, pull them out. Any of your uh, pass rushers, let's like, hey, Jordan Hicks, if you want to go sit down, go for it. This is going to be another spanking. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. We are not very optimistic about this week's game, and we um, imagine most of you aren't either. For good reasons. So, do you have any final thoughts, AJ? No need. We've already beat the dead horse enough for one night. And how going to be able to go to bed after talking about this sore subject is beyond me. Yeah, that just about sums it up. This blows. Yeah. Well, please remember to check us out on Twitter at Texans Talk Pod. And. On behalf of A.J. Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.